episode 141 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Oh, Jim, let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. I love these guys with nothing to hide that don't want to talk. Jim Jordan telling the January 6th committee on Monday in a four-page letter that clearly was written by somebody else because there's no way this guy can come up with four pages worth of material on his own. That he won't participate. The whole committee's a sham. Blah, 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 blah. I'm sure he's making the rounds on conservative television and talk radio as we speak. I, I, I mean, look. The guy was clearly in bed with Donald Trump, was clearly looking for a way to overturn the will of the people, clearly is not somebody who believes in the United States of America. And if he disagrees with me, he could go speak before the January 6th committee and tell them how him working with Mark Meadows and Peter Navarro and others in the White House to overthrow the election on January 6th, 2021, um, was okay was the right thing to do, even though the courts disagreed with every argument they met. And look, I am not opposed to people who feel aggrieved going to court and airing their grievances based on facts and the law. And 62 times, lawyers for the Trump administration went to court and argued their case based on the facts and the law. They were successful exactly one time. And what they were successful in doing is saying that people can be within three feet, not six feet, of the poll workers. The watchers could be within three feet. Three feet. Or maybe it was eight feet to six feet. I don't know. They got the, the distance that the people that they were sending in there to intimidate the people counting the votes could stand. They got that shortened. Yay. Good job, Rudy. Um, so... You know, the courts, many of whom were Republicans, some of whom were appointed by Trump himself, all ruled that the election was fair. And Jim Jordan was trying to get the vice president of the United States to act as judge, jury and executioner of the American Constitution. He was trying to get one man to overrule the votes of 81 million of his fellow countrymen because he does not care what 81 million Americans think if they don't agree with him. And he doesn't want to come talk about it in any way, shape, or form where he has to be held accountable. He doesn't want to be questioned by Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney would have teared him apart. It would have been the best television of the year and trust me america i've been watching a lot of good television but watching liz cheney and the other members of that committee cross-examine jim jordan in a public session would be the best television of the year because jim jordan has this smug you know ridiculousness wearing his no jacket shirt sleeves rolled up that's that's jim jordan oh i'm an american oh good people screw you jim screw you you are a traitor to this country. You are willing to throw it all away so Donald Trump could be president for four more years or maybe forever, maybe make him king. I mean, if we're really going to have a king in this country, which I, I hope we never have, you think that guy should be king? Give me a break. Ridiculous. But that's who Jim Jordan is. I mean, Jim Jordan is a coward. 
We know he's a coward. He was a coward before he came to Congress. He would not stand up for the athletes entrusted to his care at Ohio State University when they came to him to ask for help because they were being sexually assaulted at Ohio State. Jim Jordan did nothing, said nothing. That's who Jim Jordan is. So, you know, to expect him to do the right thing now and come clean about the plot to overthrow our country, I think it's a bridge too far. He didn't have to spend four pages writing this letter. We knew you weren't coming, Jim. We just wanted to ask so that you can say you weren't coming so that people like me could rant about it for a couple of minutes on their podcast and other members of Congress can point it out. You are a disgrace. You are a despicable human being. I don't understand how you're in the House of Representatives. I clearly don't understand how you're a leader there. And I got news for you, America. I think it's more likely that Jim Jordan becomes Speaker of the House if the Republicans take control of the House of Representatives than Kevin McCarthy. And I got it. It's, you know, devil's choice. Who, you know, which which horrible human being do you want? Do you want the weak need former normal person who, you know, we just disagreed with Kevin McCarthy, who now has become, you know, full on Trump? Or do you want the full on Trump who we know where he stands from? I- I'm telling you right now, weak people do not rise to power. And Kevin McCarthy is a weak person. And I, I know I've been saying this week after week after week after week. But I don't think he's going to be speaker. And I would not be shocked if this coward, Jim Jordan, I mean, coward to us, but strong to his fellow members, becomes the Speaker of the House of Representatives. This man who tried to overthrow the votes of 81 million Americans wanted wanted the Vice President of the United States to say, I know 62 courts said this. I know dozens of election officials across the country, Republicans and Democrats said this, but I'm just going to exercise my power, which I don't have in the Constitution, to overthrow the election and install Donald Trump and myself for four more years. Mike Pence didn't do that. Uh, I guess we owe him something. I don't understand Mike Pence these days. I don't understand him running around the country talking about January 6th like it was just another day at the Capitol. Somebody needs to tell Mike Pence he will never be accepted by the Trump cult. He will never be accepted by the cult. They will never make him the Republican nominee for president of the United States. Maybe he should just start telling the truth about what happened that day speaking his mind and telling people what they what really happened enough i'm tired of this you know what i'm tired of most america and I, I know i'm ranting here like nonstop. i've got a great guest tomas kennedy he's a dnc member from uh miami and uh, a smart guy uh the youngest elected dnc member in the nation uh you, you stick around for that interview but uh what's driving me a little nuts it drives me nuts every day There are so many people in the Senate and in the House and even people like Mike Pence who are solely focused on becoming president of the United States. And it's delusional in a lot of ways. I like I don't think Ted Cruz would ever be president of the United States. Right. I don't think he'll ever be president of the United States. Yet he makes a statement on January 6th that it was a terrorist attack, which it was because what is terrorism? 
Terrorism is using violence or intimidation to achieve a political goal. That's what was happening on January 6th. It was violent and it was intimidating and it was designed to uh, to a, a, an attempt to achieve a political goal of maintaining Donald Trump power. So it was, yes, a terrorist attack. They beat cops. Okay. They killed each other. One of them got killed by a cop, thankfully, because God knows what would have happened if all those people got through that door. They probably would have killed members of Congress. Okay. They, they, 140 police officers were assaulted that day by Trump supporting lunatics. Okay. 140 of them. Okay. So that is terrorism. And Ted Cruz called it terrorism. And Tucker Carlson called out Ted Cruz for calling it terrorism. And then Tucker, and then Ted Cruz goes on Tucker Carlson and growls, please, Tucker, forgive me. I got to win the Tucker primary because all I'm thinking about is being president. You will never be president, Ted. I know I've got a lot of listeners in Texas. Please make sure he hears this. Ted Cruz will never be president. You won't even be the Republican nominee for president. Anybody who allows somebody to call their wife ugly and then goes and kisses that person's ass, they cannot be president ever. They are as weak as weak comes. Anybody who allows somebody to say that their father assassinated Kennedy and then goes and talks about how great that person is can never be president. Ted Cruz is the most loathed person in Washington on both sides of the aisle. Republicans don't like him either. He'll never be president. But that's all he's focused on. That's why he joined the vote to overthrow the election on January 6th. That's why he participated in that because he was thinking, well, if I don't do it, these Trump people will never accept me. Well, I don't think they're ever going to accept you anyway, Ted. Solely focused on running for president. Josh Hawley solely focused on running for president. I really wish that there would be some people in the United States Senate who weren't solely focused on running for president. Now, I don't know if Joe Manchin's running for president. I guess he just wants to be on TV all the time. I also think that the press kind of blew out of proportion his statement last week that, um, you know, they, they were saying, you know, he made a statement on Tuesday, I think. And all the reporters are around him in the hallways of the Capitol. And they're asking him about the Build Back Better plan and about voting rights. He never once said that he wasn't going to support either of those things in that interview. In fact, I felt he left a lot of room to support it. He said it was his preference not to get rid of the of the filibuster. He said he'd like to see this or that and the other. He, he hedged every word. Now, I, I worked in the Senate for a long time and I know how senators talk and they leave themselves room when they need to and I felt he left himself room doesn't mean we're going to get what we want from him but he didn't say no but if you listen to the breathless coverage of that press avail I guess you'll call it it was like Joe Manchin's torpedoing the the Biden agenda Joe Manchin says no to ending the filibuster that is not what happened in fact he talked about a talking filibuster right in that interview I, I love it I would love it if they went to a talking filibuster where you had to have 40 votes opposed to ending debate on the floor at all times. See how long that lasts. It's not going to last forever. Sorry, not going to happen. It doesn't matter how many senators you have. They're not going to stay there for days to block voting rights. Like the example I like to give is, you know, our buddy Ted Cruz. That freaking fool. 
Okay, he was blocking several of Biden's appointments, including some judges. There, I think it was like 40 or so. Chuck Schumer said, okay, keep blocking them. We're closing. We're going to keep, we're going to stay in session over Christmas if uh, you don't let go of this. And we'll vote on it every day and you can come in here and tell us, tell us that you block it. Well, the minute Ted Cruz got wind of that, that he wouldn't be able to go to Cancun for Christmas with his kids, he, he released his hold on those appointments that nobody cared about but Ted Cruz. He was just trying to make a point because he's running for president. So uh, let's reform the filibuster. Let's get voting rights passed. Let's make it easy for people to vote. And, uh, and let's move on. And I think that's what's going to happen uh, sometime this year. Don't fret, America. Change is coming soon. All right. I got a great guest, Tomas Kennedy, a uh, new friend of mine. Uh, love it. Love talking about Florida. I, I, I think Florida is the key to uh, fixing this country. I, I don't understand how a guy like Ron DeSantis is governing like he you know, won with 80% of the vote when he really he won by 30,000 votes, a very small percentage uh, of Floridians made him governor. And he's governing as this extremist as if he has a mandate, which he does not have. And you know what? Uh, I hope that uh, 2022 is the year he's gone. I think we should be doing everything we can to get rid of him and to get rid of Greg Abbott in Texas. I think Texas needs to change too. So uh, stick around for Tomas Kennedy, uh, and then I'll be back to wrap it up. Joining me now, he is the youngest elected member of the Democratic National Committee and a member who represents the great state of Florida. He's also on Ron DeSantis's uh, naughty list, which makes him on our nice list. Tomas Kennedy is joining me. Tomas, how you doing? Good, good. An honor to be on, on your nice list. Thank you for, for the invite. Hey, anytime, man. Uh, anybody who uh, can have Ron DeSantis say, watch out for this known agitator is a friend of mine. So, Thank you. so uh, let's let's walk people through who you are first, because I, I I don't know a whole lot about you, but what I do know is extremely interesting. You are a dreamer. You came to this country as a child. How old were you when your family brought you here? Yeah, so I mean, I'm not I'm no longer undocumented, but yeah, I came from Argentina when I was nine years old, escaping uh, you know an economic crisis in my home country uh, in the early 2000s. And, um, yeah, we got here. Uh, we were left without papers. I lived uh, about 14 years without papers. Uh, obviously, an extremely frustrating uh, lifestyle. You can't get a driver's license. You can't get a job. It's very difficult going to college. And that's what really um, uh, got me started in activism, right? Uh, I, I started because of the DREAM Act, which is legislation to give young uh, people like myself at the time. I'm not so young anymore. A, a path. Well, you're still pretty young by my standards. From what I understand, you, I don't even think you're 30 yet, if, if, I, if my, my math is correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, so I, I got started through the American rights world, and I got involved in a whole bunch of progressive uh, issues and causes and organizations and, and with other uh, liberals and progressive people. And, you know, ever since then, I've been trying to fight the good fight here for a better Florida. Well, I, 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 you got to keep it up because this guy, Ron DeSantis, who is no friend of yours, no friend of mine, and quite frankly, I don't believe any friend of the Constitution of the United States of America, is a menace. And he seems to be the on, in the on-deck circle should Donald Trump, as I expect him, not to not run for president in 2024. And, and I feel that Ron DeSantis could be worse than Donald Trump because he's a little bit more organized than Donald Trump. 
uh, but he shares Trump's worldview. Uh, I, I know he's got a tough election coming up this year, uh, although it should be a good environment for Republicans, but I'm not ready to write off Florida. Tell me what you think about the race as it stands down there. Yeah, I mean, of course we can't write off Florida, right? I mean, just politically speaking, a lot of electoral college votes here in Florida, uh, you know, two senators from a very, very powerful state obviously get decided here. There's uh, 27 congressional districts about to be 28 when redistricting happens. I mean, this is a powerhouse state. But most importantly, there's about 21 million people that live here and, uh, you know, have uh, a really crappy public education, a really crappy health care system, uh, just really, really bad governance uh, overall. And, you know, we, we can't just write off that many people to these like corrupt politicians that are only interested on their own careers and serving, you know, the, the highest uh, special interest bidder. But, what? You know, in terms of, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, keep going. No, I mean, I think, you know, in, in 2018, uh, we flipped a uh, state Senate seat, we flipped two congressional seats. Uh, we won the agriculture commissioner, which is statewide. Uh, obviously, you know, Andrew Gillum, who was a gubernatorial candidate, didn't make it, but he only lost by 30,000 votes, right? Yeah. Less of half of a percentage point, you know, which makes, you know, the way that the census governs that much more egregious. This guy wasn't giving, like, like, a clear mandate, you know, to go on that right-wing rampage like he has. So, you know, I think, obviously, the atmospherics and the political winds are difficult for Florida Democrats, but... We can't give up. We got to stop this guy here because, like you said, he obviously has political aspirations. He's not that interested in being governor. He's no. interested in running for president. Everything he does is not focused on Florida. It's focused on Republican Iowa voters for the primary that uh, he's eventually going to jump into. So, you know, the man, the man today, and today's the anniversary of January 6th, the assault on the Capitol, he gave a speech. In which he basically said, you know, this is what the Democrats and the media want. They want to turn this into Christmas when it really was just another day in January. He basically downplayed the assault on our Capitol. I don't I, I just don't understand how he's not beatable in Florida. And like you said, it was only a half a percentage point. Uh, I think Nikki Freed or Charlie Crist might be a better candidate than Gillum and, uh, you know, better statewide knowledge. But, you know, one of the things I've been critical of and I was critical of the Biden campaign, I don't believe they did a a good job reaching out to Latino voters, particularly in South Florida and along the I-84 cor- corridor, uh, excuse me, the I-4 corridor, or maybe I'm getting it wrong. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think that they're really, that they've, they've been putting enough effort and even resources into that. Whereas the Trump team, whether it be him or some of his uh, surrogates, spent a lot of money in Spanish language media uh, promoting false accusations against Biden, calling him a communist. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, look, I, I think personally that the Biden campaign made um, a strategic decision to basically, you know, do a bait and switch and have the Trump campaign uh, invest uh, a lot of resources resources in Florida while neglecting other states. And they just simply saw their path to, uh, you know, presidential victory. Um, along a map that did not include Florida. Uh, you know, ultimately they were right, but, you know, everything that I've spoken with operatives and, and you know, their campaign people and other folks um, just, you know, uh, confirms that suspicion that not, not only I have, but other folks have. You know, uh, that w- it, it obviously worked out for them, 
But again, this is a midterm year that's coming up. There is the gubernatorial race, obviously, you know, the, uh, with, with an all-star candidate for the Republican Party. And obviously, Marco Rubio is up as well, right? And we have Bob Demings, who's uh, uh, one of the impeachment managers, member of Congress, running against him. Uh, and we really have a real good shot at, at, take, at taking him out. Uh, and just like you said, you know, I mean, the, the comments from Ron DeSantis today were disgusting. I mean, these are people that, you know, not only in, in, invaded and, and defaced our Capitol building, I mean, they were, they were smearing their feces on yeah. the wall. Yeah. And, you know, you, 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 this guy can't get past, you know, the, the partisanship and the endless appeals to his base to simply say, hey, that was, that was wrong and we can't have that in our country. You know, you, like it, it's it's insane. Like I mean, when you have, have an unhinged governor, when I am agreeing with Karl Rove and Ron DeSantis is not, there is something wrong in America. I don't know if you saw Karl Rove's piece in the Wall Street Journal this week, but it was uh, basically saying, "Hey, Republicans, this was a bad thing that happened, and you need to own it and and you know disavow it." Yet they're not. They're pretending it didn't happen, which is just out of the Trump playbook, and it's it's. It's scary to me. And I think really, you know, states like Florida and states like Texas that should flip demographically. Uh, and I just think, you know, and one of the reasons why I was excited to talk to you is, is you are a Latino from Florida. Uh, and, and this is a state that, quite frankly, I feel the Democrats need to do a better job reaching out to uh, Latino voters. And, and, and I don't think they have they've, they've cracked the code yet. Look, I, I think, you know, as a Latino I think we, we the Democratic Party has misunderstood us. As an immigrant rights advocate, it might surprise you to hear me say that just reaching out to us on immigration is a mistake, right? Yeah. Uh, we care about, you know, health care, education, clean neighborhoods. Um, yep. So, Tomas, so we were talking about what the Democrats can do to reach out to Latino voters and you make an excellent point. I mean, it, it seems to me that the, their messaging has been all about immigration, and that's really not the key. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, our messaging should hit the fact that Florida, under 20 years of Republican rule, is accessible of corporate corruption. And Latinos really care about children. Our public schools are a mess. They're defunded. Uh, Latinos obviously care about health care. Our, our health care system is a mess. And Latinos are very entrepreneurial, right? Like, we take a lot of pride in work and starting small businesses. Uh, my dad, for example, came to this country and started a small remodeling company, right? But he hires people and he pays taxes. And he's really proud of just coming here and, and you know, making uh, something out of himself. And I think, you know, the Obama campaign was really good at, at, at you know, touching on that spirit. Uh, and, and, and hitting those points will really help also combat the, you know, like the socialism narrative. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I think the last couple of presidential campaigns haven't been able to hit those points well. You know, the Hillary campaign sure didn't. And again, the Biden campaign was just completely absent in this state. So, you know what? They, they just, what I don't understand about Florida, it seems to me that the way the Democrats get victory in Florida is they find this self-made uh, Latino in Florida or, or Latina living the American dream to be at the top of their ticket. I don't understand why that has not happened yet down there. Well, you know, so, so you, you mentioned that uh, uh, Congressman Charlie Crist um, and Ag Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Fried are running. Uh, we have a state senator named Annette Sadeo who's also running for governor. 
And she happens to be Colombian. Uh, she happens to be a small uh, business owner. Uh, and again, a state senator who has fought for, you know, pocketbook issues that materially impact the day-to-day life of, you know, Floridian families. So she could be someone interesting. But, you know, she's from South Florida, Miami-Dade. She would be someone very interesting to have um, with a ticket with Val Demings, right, who's an African-American woman from uh, Central Florida. It, it would be a, a well-balanced ticket in terms of, like, appealing both geographically and demographically to certain parts of the Democratic Party base. Yeah, I mean, that seems to make sense to me. Does she? How does she stand in the polls? I, I have not been looking too closely at the primary polls in Florida, but it seems to me that it's like, you know, when we hear about it, uh, like I said at the top of this interview, it, it seems to be reported as a two-person race between Nikki Freed and Charlie Crist, and we don't hear about this state senator too much. Uh, you know, maybe we're missing this up north where I'm from, but maybe... You know, maybe you have a different perspective on it. Tell me. No, I mean, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, I think Charlie Crist um, is definitely uh, has the edge out of the three candidates in terms of both fundraising and name ID. And it makes sense, right? I mean, this is a a guy who's been a congressman for a number of years. He was, you know, uh, obviously like a governor of the state when he was a Republican. So, but he switched parties and. He's generally a, a good congressman and, and has been great on, on, on upholding Democratic Party values and switching parties. Um, but, you know, he, he obviously has the name IDs and, uh, and connection to, to mount uh, a statewide campaign uh, in, in a state which, you know, Florida has 14 media markets. Yeah, and they're big ones, it's too. Expensive. Yeah. Expensive. Yeah, it's an, ex- um, it's an expensive state to run in. So, so we don't see, you know, your state senator down in Miami Dade uh, uh, coming up as as a top contender here, or or does she have a chance? You know, we'll see. I mean, it, 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 we'll find out on uh, August, uh, I believe, twenty eighth. That is uh, the primary. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, you know, we have um, we have a long time to go. I mean, we have what, like uh, almost five months, and you know, that could be an eternity uh, in politics, especially in a place like Florida where. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot could happen in that state. You could have five hurricanes between now and then uh, and floods and everything else going on in Florida. I, I just want to see an aggressive outreach campaign to Spanish speaking voters in Florida, because I feel like I like I said, I feel like in the last election, based from what I heard, and really it's anecdotal for the most part, but I've talked to some people down in South Florida and it seems to me that. The Trump campaign and their allies are running incredibly negative, fake, misleading ads on Spanish language television. The Democrats did nothing to combat it. And the result was, you know, you just look at the numbers in Miami-Dade. I mean, Joe Biden underperformed Hillary Clinton dramatically in Miami-Dade. Yep. Yeah, he, he won Miami-Dade by seven points where Hillary had wanted, uh, you know, close to 30 points. Yeah, uh, But, you know, I, I think, for example, one thing that uh, I have been really insistent that our state party hit uh, Marco Rubio on specifically is going back to immigration as an issue, which I think, you know, is still valid. You know, they, they always hit us as, you know, like Marxist Leninists and socialists and, uh, you know, whatever else. But in terms of, for example, supporting the Venezuelan diaspora and refugees that are migrating into the state because they're fleeing conditions in, in, in their home state, in, in the home nation of Venezuela, there is a bill in Congress right now called the SECURE Act, which would give nations uh, uh, that have temporary protected status, which gives refuge 
to uh, folks from those countries uh, in, in the United States because of, you know, extremely adverse conditions. Venezuela is one of them uh, because of, you know, like the, the political crisis that it makes the country unlivable for, for a lot of folks there. Um, that bill needs, uh, obviously, Marco Rubio's vote and support to move forward, right? And this is a guy that's constantly talking about supporting Venezuelans and blah, blah, blah. And he won't, not only will he not support it, he won't even acknowledge it. Mm. You know, that, that is extreme hypocrisy. You know, a guy that talks about supporting Venezuelan families, but when it comes to doing something simple, giving citizenship to Venezuelan nationals that are living here, fleeing conditions over there, you know, so they don't have to live in, in, with fear and anxiety, he won't even acknowledge legislation to help them why do you think why do you think he wouldn't acknowledge because i don't think that would be a bad thing for him to do in florida right i that has more to do with national republican politics correct yeah exactly right it, it remember marco rubio uh ran for president in 2016 that is as kicked by donald trump in the primary yeah but one of the things that came up a lot uh when marco rubio ran on that primary was his support for immigration reform uh, during the Gang of Eight bill. Yeah, uh, 2013 uh, Border yep. Security and Immigration uh, Reform Act, which would have been a great bill. It passed the Senate and never got voted on the House. Exactly. So, you know, immigration reform or any sort of, uh, you know, immigration relief, even if targeted, like like the bill that I just described, it's just so toxic. Yeah, <laughs> these these guys, they don't want to... They don't want to take any risks on that issue. So, Tomas, uh, before I talk about the enemies list that you wound up on with uh, with Ron DeSantis, which is which is thrilling to me, if not scary, um, how did you get involved in politics? From being a nine year old brought here by your parents from uh, Argentina to to being a member of the DNC, which is a pretty big accomplishment at, at such a young age. Yeah, so you know, I was undocumented, as I told you. And I just got frustrated living that way, right? Uh, the fact that I couldn't get a driver's license, that I couldn't go to college, that I couldn't get a job if I worked in construction, getting paid under the table. You know, as I got older, I saw a lot of opportunities and doors being close to me. And actually, my mom uh, went to a meeting uh, by a nonprofit called the Florida Immigrant Coalition, who uh, was organizing in support of the DREAM Act, and she's documented too. And she came home and she was like, hey, you know, there's people that are in our similar situation and they're organizing and taking charge of their lives and fighting for uh, a better future. And, you know, you sh- let's go. Like, join me in, in going to these meetings and, 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 you know, organizing. And I went, I caught the bug. And ever since, you know, I've been involved in politics. And I got involved in the Democratic Party. Obviously, you know, when you're an immigrant right, you always have a contentious relationship with political parties uh, because you have to pressure them to do things. But yep. you always lean on the side of the Democrats because the Republicans are just awful. Yeah, I mean, like we said, Marco Rubio, who would understand it as much as anybody. I mean, he's a Cuban living in South Florida. He knows a lot of people who came here seeking a better life, I'm sure. Um, you know, you would think that he'd be all about uh, immigrants' rights and, and reforming our broken immigration system, but but he can't and be a Republican anymore. You just can't. Chris, uh, when we hang up later today, you should look up a story about how uh, Marco Rubio's mom told him to stop. Literally, she said, stop picking on the immigrants uh, and, and, and protect them uh, before you know she passed away. But 
His own mom told him. Yeah. This is like a Reuters report. It stopped. You know, it's going, going after immigrants. Like, it's sad. It's sad. You know, he's got this dream. He's going to be president, which, by the way, he's never going to happen. He's never going to be president. He's, you know, he lost his ability to be president when he reached for that bottle of water on TV when he was given the rebuttal to Obama's State of the Union. He's never going to be president. Um, and, and he's a senator from a state where, quite frankly, Republican or Democrat, if you supported immigration rights, you'd be a hero in, in, in the state of Florida. A lot of immigrants in Florida, which is why, you know, I don't understand why Democrats aren't winning there. Um, it's, and yet he can't do it. I, I keep asking this question all the time. Why do these people even want to be senators if they're not going to use their powers to do things that they know is the right thing to do? They're just going to constantly seek higher office and reelection and, and affirmation from people who they wouldn't even have coffee with if they weren't in the Senate. Because they're sociopaths that want, that want power for power's sake. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so sad. It's so sad. And, you know, and this brings me to, to to the last thing I want to talk to you. I got a couple minutes left with you. I, I mean, you wind up on this maniac governor of yours, basically enemies list. Uh, it, 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 he puts you down as a known agitator because you spoke up, I guess, at a press conference or something and you didn't like the fact that now you're on a list and you show up to an event and, you know, the Florida State Police have you on this list. You're an elected member of the Democratic National Committee. This is no small task. I don't even know... You know, what are there, like uh, two per congressional district or something? There's not a lot of people on the DNC. And you're one of them. There's nine in Florida. There's there's nine members, so there's even less than, there are are fewer people on the DNC than there are even in the Congress from Florida. And, And you're one of those people. You know, it's no small task. It's no small thing. And you're on this list. Just tell me how, one, how does that make you feel and how did you get there? You know, it, it bothers me that, look, if his security team has me, you know, like as somebody that has, you know, is a, a political opponent, whatever, like his campaign people, that's, you know, not ideal, but like, okay, I can live with that. The fact that it's the Florida Department of Law Enforcement that has opened uh, secret, like, intelligence documents on me, yeah. solely based on my political activities. Despite, you know, their own document says this individual has no history of violence is disturbing. But you know what's more disturbing, Chris? If you look, you know, I've, I've posted all this information on my Twitter. There's um, a, a page within that, that, because it's several pages. They have tracked my social media uh, posts and how many metrics they get. And they have a page called Associates that's redacted that literally has like columns that are saying name, photo, and comments. And it's Literally, people that like are associated with me, that they are also keeping tabs on, simply because again they have some proximity to me. That's a violation of my First Amendment rights because, and and the individuals that are on these associates list, and you know, it, it, it just it, it's Gestapo me. tactics. I mean, I don't I don't know what else to call it. It's it's fascism at its height, and, and this man yeah. wants to be president, and quite frankly. When the former guy doesn't run, I think he is the Republican nominee for president. And it's scary to me. Uh, what what are you doing about it? Are you going to are you suing him? Are you doing anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Grant Stern, but we with, with Grant, he's helped me file a number of public records um, uh, suits to get a lot of these documents, including an incident report where I was detained unlawfully. 
uh, and it was because um, the department, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, had shared my vehicle information with Miami Dade Police, uh, and they uh, basically, you know, were just tracking me and, and had, had detained me outside of a Ron DeSantis event before I even attempted to go in one of these like press conferences that are publicly funded. Yeah, uh, but I'm filing uh, a federal lawsuit likely next week, actually. Uh, you know, uh, because again, these are publicly funded meetings, and because we want to find out uh, who is in these uh, in this associates list that they've redacted, because it's not just about me, right? They are they are they, they do this with a lot of people, and again, they are keeping thousand people solely based on their proximity and association with me, and that's really unfair. I think <laughs> I, it's completely unfair. It's ridiculous. And uh, this man should be ashamed of himself. He is no American. And quite frankly, I know how you feel. The former guy called me out a couple of times, twice on Twitter and then once on the Rush Limbaugh show uh, by name. And it was, you know, at the first time he did it, I was a little freaked out by it. But then I realized it was actually good for my career. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Tomas, I got 30 seconds left with you. Where can people find you? What do you want people to know? Yeah, I mean, you can find me at uh, at T-O-M-A-S. K-E-N-N, Tomas Ken, on Twitter. And, you know, just stay involved, uh, fight the good fight, and we have to stop these fascists. I mean, again, we have a governor who can't even disavow the fact that these people smear species on our Capitol building trying to overturn a Democratic election. It's embarrassing and shameful. It is absolutely shameful. But you know what? I'm happy to be associated with you, Tomas Kennedy. Thanks for joining me. Tomas Kennedy. I hope you enjoyed him. Good guy. Interesting to see where he goes, right? Young guy. I think he's just barely 30, if he's 30 at all. Uh, Very active down in Miami. I think we need more people like him in politics who have a good story to tell, who can relate to voters that Democrats are having a hard time reaching. And I mean particularly uh, Latinos in South Florida and in South Texas who seem to be voting more and more with the Republicans because the Republicans are reaching out to them and the Democrats aren't. And it's just that simple. I think we've taken them for granted in two straight uh, national elections, and I think that needs to stop. I've said that many times on this show. I've had many people from South Florida on this show. You know that. Um, I think it's an important part of the country, and I think it's a part of the country that can be flipped if the right efforts with the right messengers are put in place. And Tomas Kennedy uh, is definitely one of those messengers that I hope the party is going to utilize. And now that he's on the DNC, hopefully they will notice him and they will, uh, they will, they will work with him. Uh, it needs to happen. And it, it's just amazing to me, the Ron DeSantis saga, you know, of, of just not, you know, having enemies lists and having police be on the lookout for these people. It's kind of crazy. This is the second guest I've had on, uh, Grant Stern, who's actually friends with Tomas. Um, you know, uh, we've talked about this with him before. It's amazing to me. This is America, man. This should not be going on, not even a little bit. And if it doesn't scare you, it should, because this is how it starts, right? This is how it starts. Oh, they're just, uh, they're disrupting my press conference. I got to put them on a list. But he's giving the guy's description to the police department saying he's a known agitator. Tomas Kennedy is one of nine members of the DNC from Florida. Nine. Florida is the the second or third largest state in the union now. I think it's the third largest state in the union. They have nine DNC members. And he's one of them. And you're going to call him a no. You're going to put him on a uh, be on the lookout for list. Uh, that's pretty, pretty insane. 
I don't like it. I don't like it at all. The guy governs like he's got a mandate. He doesn't have a mandate. Let's show him in 2022 he doesn't have a mandate and knock him out. Knock him out. He should be target number one in this country because this guy surely wants to be president. And the thing I worry about with a guy like DeSantis is DeSantis is probably worse than Trump. He is all of Trump's horrible attributes and tendencies, but he's smarter than Trump and uh, will probably be more successful at implementing those horrible things than Trump was. So I don't want to even risk having that guy uh, on the national ballot in 2024. Let's take care of him now uh, in the state of Florida. Let's win that race. They've got a couple of good candidates. We talked about it uh, in my interview with Tomas. Uh, I hope to God uh, they pick a candidate that can win and that can relate to Latinos in South Florida. Uh, I think it's important. All right. I think you've all had enough of me. I never introduced myself today. Uh, I'm Chris Hahn. This is the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Thank you for liking, subscribing, and telling your friends about it. Rate it, review it, say good things about it. I love you. I know I said Happy New Year last week, but I'll say it again right now. Happy New Year. And I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.